welcome back. Thank you. There's nowhere else to start. Yeah. I had COVID. How 2022? I know. But the teams, the, the gang's all here. The band is back together. Yeah, yeah. How exciting. Um, Do you even remember how we start the podcast? Um, it goes... Kia ora, this is News for I'm Emil. <laughs> and I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Why is everyone so angry about Wellington's mayor? We'll break down the story about Torifano. Also, the influencer trip that backfired after a bunch of US social media stars went on an all-expenses-paid trip with China's online fast fashion giant Xi'an. Have you, like us, been bombarded with this fresh round of scammy texts? We've got everything you need to know and look out for. Plus, producer Jono and I asked you yesterday for your cost of living hacks. We've got some of your answers and a very interesting one that we've spotted from a guy across the ditch. All that is coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Well, there is only one place to start today, Imogen. There is. Right in my backyard, I yes, believe. The, the Bacchanalian utopia that is Wellington, New Zealand. So this, of course, is all to do with the Mayor of Wellington, Tory Fano. Last Friday, after getting a bit of a policy win in council, Fano and a friend went to a local restaurant for dinner. That's one of my favourites, actually. Uh, she'd had a few drinks and she says she was a bit tipsy when she arrived. Uh, but the restaurant and the staff working on the night said they debated whether or not to serve her. Eventually, they did sell her a bottle of wine because uh, she'd ordered some food. Yeah, uh, the pair apparently got a bit more boost, as you do when you consume a bottle of wine. Uh, they were apparently swearing a wee bit, uh, though Fano denies this. And when talking to a waiter, Tori Fano allegedly said something along the lines of, don't you know who I am? A favourite. Uh, yes. Uh, it's a, a sentence that's gone down in infamy in New Zealand. Uh, they were going to be cut off by the restaurant, uh, but then workers realised that they had actually left without paying the bill. Tori Fano's friend sorted the bill the next day, but some commentators maintain uh, that this described behaviour is not what a mayor should be displaying. Emil, what's your take on the whole thing? Uh, well, I find the whole narrative of, uh, like, it's not appropriate for an elected official to be drunk to be uh, total nonsense and, um, and kind of puritanical, in my view. It's not illegal to be drunk. Uh, like, are, are we seriously at a point now where we're saying elected officials aren't allowed to get a bit pissed in town after they have had good news. You know, is that the level of, of righteous Puritan indignation that we've we've got here? You know, wet, wet, whingy and wood looking. <laughs> nice double slam on the political reference there. But I mean, we all have to ask ourselves who hasn't been tipsy and arrived at a restaurant and ordered more wine. Uh, but however, I do think the element of not paying the bill accident or non-accident, looks like that was the icing on the cake. If that bill had been paid on the night, I don't think we would have heard about this yarn. Yeah. I don't want to be, like, glorifying drinking, you know. But but I do think that the there is a serious element to this, which is the, the allegation of that the line, don't you know who I am, was used. Because yeah. I think that New Zealanders really don't like that. And, you know... It is just an allegation. Torifano denies it. Yeah. And and because it's a reported quote, we don't know about intonation or, or anything like that, which can change the meaning of words like that. Mm. 
But I think that any kind of entitlement or, or arrogance is going to set a fire under New Zealanders. And so I, I hope that it didn't go down the way that it might look like it's been reported to have gone down. That would be unedifying from my point of view, you know? Yeah. The other thing that also ran through my mind when I first read this story is I was like, oh my gosh, when was the last time we've had a headline about a politician behaving in this alleged way in, in public? And it, oh, obviously the last time was Aaron Gilmore. Aaron Gilmore, The National right. MP who first uttered those very words, do you know who I am? That was 10 years ago. It was in May 2013, so literally a decade ago that happened. And then prior to that, based on my Google searching, New Zealand politician drunk, Muldoon and the snap election. Those are the two stories that pop up. So we've not seen a yarn featuring a politician who's has and openly admitted they had had a drink, but behaving in this reported way. So I think this is also why it's sort of taken on a story of its own, because we, we've not seen this happen for so long. Anyway, dry July? <laughs> this happened on a Friday. Dry July started on a Saturday. Hey, we're still going to talk about scammy texts and why there seems to be such a wave of them right now. That's in a couple of minutes. But we just want to say, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us. 2023 seems to be the year of the influencer trip, companies taking influencers on all expenses paid for holidays in exchange for promoting their products. Yeah, we're talking flights paid for, fancy hotels, beautiful dinners, super fun activities, and of course, free products galore. But there's one influencer trip that's completely backfired. In June, the clothing site Shein sent a bunch of American influencers to China to visit one of its factories. Now, Shein has repeatedly come under fire for poor working conditions, creating mountains of clothing waste because of its fast fashion model. It reportedly creates and produces 10,000 new items every day. So when these US social media stars started posting videos of a squeaky clean factory and giving glowing reviews, the criticism came in thick and fast, especially given there's been undercover documentaries in Shein factories painting a very different picture. So here to unpack what went down and talk us through the backlash is Brett Staniland, who you might recognise from Love Island, but uh, perhaps more importantly, given the context, is a sustainable fashion editor and advocate. Brett, g'day, how you doing? Hi, very nice to meet you. I'm all good, thanks. Tell us about this Shein influencer trip. What did we see and then what did you think about the content that was getting put out there by those influencers? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it was just staggering. You're laughing. It's just, to me, it's so ridiculous. But essentially, um, Shein had flown in a bunch of American influencers, um, first class, might add, with their partners, put them up in five-star hotels. And then essentially giving them a guided tour of um, a few of their facilities. I believe one was a factory and one was like their innovation lab. I'm not sure what they're innovating in particular, but that's what they call it. Um, and the influencers essentially all did like a come with me. It was like, you know, we were shown around. It was all amazing. We spoke to people who worked in the factories and they tell us about how great their life is. And I'm just, I remember watching it just thinking this is ridiculous. It's as if someone's um, like got a gun to them and they've got to recite a script almost. Um, of how like amazing everything is, um, which is clearly just like a tiny, tiny microscopic lens on uh, on the Shein machine. What do we actually know about the conditions of 
Sheehan factories. Channel 4 um, did an undercover investigation. Um, the documentary is called Untold um, and something to do with the Sheehan machine. And um, essentially, we it, it uncovered things like you know, garment makers making three pence per item, them not being able to have toilet breaks, them working like long, long days, like 18, 19 hour days, as well as cases of being abused by their floor managers, as well as, you know, if, if they make a mistake, they get docked pay. There's just so many things that were uncovered. Um, and alongside that, Sheehan have a history of design theft, um, offering people internships so they could come and design and then stealing their designs or even just like going on social media, seeing young independent designers and um, stealing their designs, as well as, you know, a history of making um, anti-Semitic necklaces and um, prayer rugs that they called Greek carpets too. So literally everything that you can think of a fashion brand doing something bad, Sheen have pretty much done it. So is this sort of a, a warning bell to influencers and influencer culture to your eyes? Yeah, I think, you know, overall, I was kind of pleasantly surprised with the reaction that basically no one bought it. Um, I think it means it's an indication that we're moving in the right way and that people one hold influencers accountable now for their actions, you know, what they put out online, especially when it's so clearly misleading. Um, but I think it's an indication for the creator themselves to, you know, really reconsider the jobs that they take on, not just in terms of, you know, this is going to pay bills for me, but also what's it going to do for my brand? What's it going to do for my community? Now, that's just a segment of our chat with Brett. We discussed a whole bunch of things around this issue, and we will drop the full interview a little bit later on today. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful Chris Reid. Hello, everyone. Each week, we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round, and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential, even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. Jono, how many scams do you think? you've had in the last week, like those scammy texts? Oh, like probably more than 20. Like they just seem to keep coming through. I'm actually losing count at this stage. It is so weird how many of them there are. It's so weird. And it's weird how they come in waves. Like I had heaps earlier in the year, then nothing. But then recently I've been bombarded. And I I just don't know if something online has like been harvesting my data, which has been sold to fresh databases or so. I, like it just doesn't make any sense to me and I absolutely hate it. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. There are so many scams going around right now. So with us for a wee bit of advice and help is BNZ's Head of Financial Crime, Ashley Kaifong. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Ashley, what are the most prevalent scams right now? There are a lot, um, and you've already you've already touched on um, some of them now. So the tech scams that are coming through seems to be a huge wave of them uh, recently. So the tech phishing, where it's either something like the Walker Kotahi one, where they're asking you to pay a toll, right? Because you haven't put, you haven't been you have been on a toll road and you haven't paid tolls. Well, there's three toll roads in New Zealand, um, mm-hmm. and they're all in the North Island. So if you're from the South Island and you've got it, potentially you probably haven't been on those toll roads. So just sort of think about that. There's impersonation scams and people are impersonating, uh, sorry, their vendors, I should say, are impersonating known brands, be they banks, be they telcos, be they, you know, whatever. And what they're trying to do is actually gain your trust and then tr- from there 
uh, get you to either download remote access software, which unfortunately gives them everything that you've uh, got access to on that device that you've downloaded it to, and everything that you're doing on it, which is a big red flag. Um, or they are telling you that they've got some uh, transactions that they're from the bank, and actually you need to log into your banking or, or give away some passwords or that sort of stuff. Uh, they may actually tell you, look, we've got a hacker that we need to try and catch. Or somebody, somebody in the bank is uh, stealing money and we need your help to actually catch them. And in order to do that, you need to transfer some money away. We will never ask you to use your money to catch somebody. And the police would never ask you to do that. And probably the big one that's really hit the media outlets is the investment scams at the moment as well. People are being offered some extraordinary offers and uh, or their investments doing really well and you've just got to invest more of those types of things. So they're the big ones, really. Yeah, I was just scrolling through my phone. I've got one here from a couple of Fridays ago. After a further review, you are due a tax refund and it looks like a fake um, IRD website. And one I'm also getting quite a lot is about this is your one-time password yep. and here's, a Google, here's your Google verification code, but I'm not using... Google. Any of those. I'm not I, I haven't requested any of those. How how much more dangerous are these ones? They seem so much more sophisticated than those emails we used to get, you know, 10, 20 years ago from Nigerian princes saying, please put money in my account and you can be my wife and we will live a royalty happily ever after. And obviously you didn't answer those, otherwise you wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> I am smart. <laughs> you are. And, and that's a good thing, right? So they are getting sophisticated, right, with, with AI uh, and actually just screen scraping, those types of things. You don't generally see the misspellings, the bad grammar, that sort of stuff now because they've got over that. And they do actually look like they're coming from the businesses that you know and love. They seem much more plausible. Yeah, very much so. Probably the biggest thing and. and you, you pointed it out yourself. You, you got this thing out of the blue, and it's asking you to do something with urgency. That should be some red flags for you or anyone out there. What you need to do is just stop, pause, and think about it, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you at that vulnerable moment where, say, for example, and I don't know when you got those texts, but you might have been sort of chilling out watching Netflix or doing something like that. This message pops up on your phone. And you just want to get rid of it. And it's about that urgency mm. to actually get you off guard and make you vulnerable at that moment to actually click on that link and start to give away details. BNZ's Ashley Kaifong, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Tova O'Brien, and this week on the Tova podcast from Stuff, an interview with Prime Minister Christopher Luxon. We met at Central District Spiel Days to talk tax, police pay, Ruby Tui, and his political value judgments. Oh, and we heard his verdict on the conversation too. Not that he meant us to. All that plus the winners and losers of the week with Andrea Vance, Luke Malpass at the Labour Party caucus retreat, and your feedback. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Kakite. So on yesterday's pod, producer Jono and I asked for some cost of living hacks because according to, and this is your favourite, Emil, a grab one survey. I like how my my insistence on solid scientific method has become the butt of jokes now. You know? It's uh, just uh, fun. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry. According to a grab one survey, one in ten New Zealanders hide their cost of living 
hacks from their friends and whānau. They don't share the ways that they're saving money because they're afraid uh, of things like too many people buying the deal at the time and they'll miss out or I think that was actually the main one. Anyway, we asked for some examples and John got in touch to say, if your workplace buys lots of milk for the staff kitchen, bring in some cereal. Saves you buying milk at home and you can get a full week out of the box of cereal at work. Yes, King. I like that. Yeah, that works for other stuff as well, actually. What else do you have with milk? Uh, But as always, TikTok has got an extreme example of how to save some dosh. Apparently, this guy in Australia peels bananas to make them lighter when he's buying them at the supermarket because then they cost less because you pay per weight. That's so disgusting. (laughs) Think about what's been on those scales. Also, how much, I mean, does a banana skin weigh a lot? Yeah, I'd weigh in the... uh, What do you reckon, like a third? I don't know how much. A third of the weight of a banana is the the skin? Nah, nah, like 15% max, I'd say. Anyway, some of the responses to this video are too good not to repeat out loud. Uh, Someone wrote, if you marry that man, prepare to be miserable. Someone just put a bunch of the old red flag emoji. My personal favourite was, bro, that ain't thrifty, it's just trashy, Um, which I think uh, (laughs) speaks for a lot of us. (laughs) <laughs> Summarises your your feelings. Uh, but I think that is usable for today. I'm Emile Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Have a great Tuesday. Make sure you check out our extended interview with Brett later today, all about Shein and the fast fashion influencer trip. Uh, but we'll chat soon. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support.